This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Hi there. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm Dr. Kat. I've been thinking a lot about you listeners, and I really want to know what's on your mind. So I'd love to open it up to you guys to email me, write to me at momandmind at gmail.com. Send me your questions, send me your comments. What have you thought about previous episodes? Are there questions you have about today's episode? Or are there questions on your mind that you just love to have answered on air? Go ahead, send me an email again to momandmind at gmail.com. Send me all those questions, and hopefully I can pull some together and see what we can get answered on air. There are probably a lot of people who have similar questions to you, and you could help by putting it out there for me to answer to everyone. So I'd love to hear from you. On this episode, we are going to be talking with Courtney Butts and Alexis Edwards on the doula's role related to birth trauma. We're going to find out a little bit about how doulas can support the birthing person during or after a birth trauma how they can support in aiding in recovery, and some other perspectives on really how awesome doula support can be in potentially reducing some risks to the mother or birthing person during the birthing process and afterwards. A little bit about our guest today. Courtney Butts is a licensed master social worker and certified best doula in Dallas, Texas. After the birth of her son, Courtney knew she wanted to serve as a support to other families and as a doula and childbirth educator. This work allowed Courtney to bring together two things she's passionate about, working with trauma survivors and her love of all things pregnancy and postpartum. She also provides therapy with a focus on maternal mental health. Alexis Edwards is a licensed clinical social worker, certified best doula, and owner of Birth360, a private practice in Austin, Texas, that provides pre- and postnatal therapy and birth postpartum doula support. Alexis is a survivor of sexual assault and an advocate for healing through birth. Her own traumatic births and journey to motherhood inspired her to become a doula and build a holistic, trauma-informed practice that incorporates not only birth and postpartum support, but also recognizes the link between birth and maternal mental health. The two of these women came together in January of 2018 to co-create a trauma-informed support training for birth and postpartum professionals that they teach across the U.S., 
As mental health professionals and birth workers with a background serving survivors, they bring a really unique perspective on how to better support women carrying trauma through the childbearing years. So let's dive in and meet Courtney and Alexis. Welcome, Alexis and Courtney. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, thanks for having us. Yep, we're happy to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate you reaching out and to want to talk about the role of the doula. And specifically because you're both doulas and both a therapist, I think you have a really great perspective on the benefits from a mental health perspective on doulas and vice versa. So I'm excited to get into this in terms of how to support women through birth trauma. There's a lot of great info here. Yeah. Okay, so if we can just get started with some kind of basics for people who may not know what a doula is or what their role is, if you can explain that a little bit. What is the role of a doula in birth and in the postpartum? For sure. So a doula is a non-medical professional who provides non-judgmental and continuous support to individuals that are pregnant, in labor, and then during their postpartum periods. So typically what that looks like is physical support, helping them with pain management, helping them understand what's happening with their body and, you know, what to expect during labor and delivery, emotional and mental support. So being there to hold space and kind of process what's happening and share in the joys and also be there to support in the lows. And then a large part of our job is offering informational support. So being able to provide evidence-based facts about birth, about pregnancy and what to expect during the journey. Okay, that's awesome. And I've been told specifically by a couple of different doulas that doulas are not necessarily advocates in the birth room, but they are the support specifically for the mother and or birthing person and partner. Is that correct? For sure. So it's definitely not our job to advocate or speak for our clients. However, what we want to do is provide our clients with the necessary information for them to be able to speak up for themselves, for them to know what their rights are and feel comfortable speaking up. So they have a sense of control and empowerment in their birthing space. Awesome. I mean, that could apply to so many people for so many situations. That's fantastic. I would add that doulas, we do a lot of advocacy work outside of birthing spaces. So a lot of doulas are just really passionate about reproductive justice and making changes so that moms can have better outcomes. So they're also simultaneously doing that work outside of the one-on-one support they provide. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then also to have pretty clear kind of guidelines on what you're doing in the room in terms of birthing. That's great. So in terms specifically of birth trauma, and I'd love your perspectives, both from a mental health and doula perspective on what kind of supports a doula can offer if there is birth trauma, either that you yourself as a doula are witnessing or are a part of in the birthing room or if something happens postpartum. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that for so many survivors, if they have a history of trauma, a lot of that is going to come up into the birthing space. So something might not actually be happening to them in their birth. They could be having a really empowering, positive birth experience, but feelings and emotions and even their body is responding in ways because of this history that they carry, because it's almost been woken up just by the process of labor and what the crazy changes that are happening physically and emotionally in that experience. So I think doulas 
we do a training specifically not just for doulas, but for any professional that is working with women in this stage. We focus a lot on what can we do if we see that happening along with if a trauma is happening in the space as well. So sometimes it can be both that they may have a history of trauma and things are coming up for them in that space. And then something is also happening in the birthing space that is traumatic. So they're navigating both of those things simultaneously. Mm -hmm. What is a doula doing or thinking or how might they be supporting someone during that time? Mm -hmm. Okay, so one of the things that we talk about in our training is how birth professionals can be aware of what trauma looks like. And having that knowledge, you're able to identify what the triggers might be for the client that you're working with. So if that client's trigger are certain words, being aware of that, and if those words are said in that space, being able to support that client. Also with that, if someone is triggered, being knowledgeable of grounding techniques that can then bring that person back to the present and really focus on what's happening. Sometimes it's just creating space and being someone that can process their birth experience with them. It's really dependent on what the client needs. If there's someone who has experienced trauma, so let's say it's a client that has experienced sexual trauma as a child, building that rapport and having knowledge of what their triggers are, and then being able to process afterwards. So how was that for you? You know, did you feel safe? Did you feel comfortable? It's also really beneficial. Yeah, we talk a lot about, there's kind of controversy in doula world about even asking clients if they have a trauma history. Hmm. So there's really kind of two camps of like people that are like, we shouldn't be asking that. It shouldn't be on our intake form. And then there's other folks that are like, we absolutely need to ask the question. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. So Courtney and I are in the camp of we need to be asking the question. So I think that part of the reasoning is that I think doulas get nervous. Like I'm not a mental health professional. If I ask this question, I don't want to make someone feel uncomfortable. I don't want them to start disclosing something that I'm not prepared to hear or offer the right type of support around. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. But for us, just knowing from a cultural perspective how survivors are silenced, we're told to not talk about this. We're not often asked about our experience is even just having that question on the intake is an opportunity that could be the first time that anyone's ever asked that. And so that can be really empowering in and of itself. And it kind of is a way for us to try to shift that cultural narrative that survivors aren't supposed to be sharing about their experience. And so in our training, we talk about that and we talk about how important we feel it is to include that question, not only on the intake, but then should someone disclose something, having a follow-up conversation to see what types of resources that client might need. And if it's beyond the scope of practice for doula, then also cultivating the appropriate resource list for the community that you work in so that you can send them to the right supports should they need additional help. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like because you guys live in both worlds as a doula and a therapist, you know, like what's a doula role and what's a therapist role more clearly than, you know, somebody who's just one or the other would. So I then imagine it can be beneficial that you have the mental health background while you're in your role as a doula and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, I think so for sure. I'm just curious about, you know, as a therapist myself, wondering, yeah, how do you balance that? How do you balance that boundary between your roles? Yeah, I think there are some, in a really basic sense, therapist, doula, any helping profession, it's all about the relationship. Mm -hmm. So we're all doing similar work in that we're holding safe space for people and we're a safe relationship for that person. Mm -hmm. And that's what can be healing and helpful. So for me personally, though, I do, as far as for boundaries, I do recognize, you know, if someone is disclosing something, you know, it's one thing for me to hold space for that and be able to do some basic active listening and validating, Mm -hmm. maybe some grounding, depending on what's going on, but also recognizing, okay, this person needs additional support that is beyond the scope of doula. And so then at that point, that's when I offer that type of referral. That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. It helps me to understand. Mm-hmm. I think it, Courtney's description of what a doula is, where doulas can be offering support for a trauma survivor in each of those different types of supports that we provide. So like I was just saying about that emotional support and just holding space, simply just being a safe person is going to be healing for a trauma survivor. The physical support, another thing that we talk a lot about is establishing touch prenatally. So recognizing that touch could be a trigger for a client 
And then in our prenatal visits, having that conversation is touch mm -hmm. something that you're comfortable with. What types of touch are you comfortable with? Mm -hmm. And doing that before we're actually in the birthing space. And then the informational support is really important. So providing some education around trauma. And for a lot of women, they don't realize that, especially if they have a previous history of trauma, that that can be reawakened in the birth and postpartum space. And oftentimes, like, even if they are, you know, cognitively, they feel good, they've done work around their trauma, um, they feel strong emotionally, but again, the body, you know, body keeps the score. So since birth is this crazy physical process, things can be happening beyond their control because the body is triggered and remembers and that can be really scary and they right. don't know why that's happening. So providing education around that so that they can enter the space more empowered. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I wish that people just did that across the board. I mean, it would be nice to have all providers informed in trauma and how that impacts the birthing process or potentially impacts the birthing process. I mean, this is like oh, empowering. It's essential information. Yeah, I think that's part of, and Courtney, you can add to this, that's one of the main reasons we were so inspired and passionate about getting this information to professionals. I would say that our training so far has been pretty doula heavy, which is awesome. We want doulas to have this information, but really we want medical providers to have this information too, because there are a lot of harmful things that are happening in birthing spaces. And if they had more understanding of what trauma looks like, there could be different outcomes for moms. Right. Absolutely. Courtney, did you want to add anything to that? Yeah. So I think Alexis brings up a really good point when we think about something that has been in the media quite often is the maternal mortality rate among African-American mothers. So if we think about Beyonce and Serena Williams, just huge headlines and talking about their experiences and what that looked like, that over the past 20 years or so, there's been a lot of research about maternal mortality rates around the world mm -hmm. and why, looking at why the U.S. has such a high maternal mortality rate with us being a developed, quote unquote, nation. And what they found, and the CDC specifically have found that Black mothers are three to four times more likely to die due to pregnancy or childbirth related complications. And if we think about, you know, that discrepancy and, you know, why is it that Black mothers are more likely to die? And if we, you know, kind of dive deep and we look at history and things like that for professionals, whether that's birth workers or OBs or midwives to really consider what's going on outside of that hospital room. So for example, Black mothers living in America as a Black woman in the atmosphere of systematic racism and then how that can manifest in someone's body physically. And that results in physical health conditions such as hypertension or preeclampsia, which then in turn leads to high rates of infant mortality and maternal mortality. So for a birth worker, a medical professional to understand what's going on outside of that hospital room and then be able to bring that compassion, bring that information into that birthing space can help that woman feel more empowered. It can help her feel that this is a safe place for her to be able to open up emotionally and then also physically and have her child in a place where her voice is heard and yeah. that her baby is safe. 
So all of what you're describing is, I mean, uh, like you said, a lot in the birthing room, but that's a lot of before, before you even get there is having conversations and well, for sure, training other professionals, but in terms of supporting the mom and supporting her to feel heard and seen in that way before birth even happens. For sure. And that's something that Alexis and I talk about in our training that yes, there's trauma that happens in the birthing space, but really thinking about the different types of trauma that happen to birthing people, you know, during childhood or, you know, at the beginning of the pregnancy. So some things that we touch on, in addition to race-based trauma, we talk about sexual assault, we talk about domestic violence and how those traumas impact pregnancy and labor and delivery. Also thinking through someone's sexual orientation, thinking about other traumas such as natural disasters, poverty, how all those things can impact someone's birth experience. So really wanting to challenge professionals to think about how a person's environment and how their world is going to shape what their labor and delivery looks like and feels like. Right. I mean, that sounds beautiful. I mean, if everyone can be on board and in tune, how empowering that would be and how much that could potentially reduce trauma and additional trauma. Mm -hmm. And also how that is interrupting the natural progression of labor and birth. Because when someone has these layers of trauma and they enter a birthing space, you know, they've been living in a chronic stress situation. They have all the cortisol flowing in their body. And what's needed to give birth is oxytocin. So even thinking about it from a physical standpoint, how a lot of the things that might happen in a birthing space could be connected to some of that trauma that they're bringing into the space. Right. So really, I mean, this is like almost all of your life experience could be affected or be affecting your birthing experience if it's not being held gently Mm -hmm. by your providers. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, So if and or when there is a trauma either in the birth or early postpartum, what do you as a doula, what are you doing to support trauma recovery? Mm-hmm. This is hard too in the doula space because of that we don't speak for our client. So doulas actually do witness a lot of things that are traumatic, not okay. And we have to kind of balance that not speaking for our client, not taking away that control and providing them the information so that they feel empowered to speak up, which is hard. And then doulas also oftentimes leaving a space and they're feeling the effects of what they witness. So I think it is a delicate balance for doulas, but I know for me, the way that I approach it is that I'm constantly in my client's ear, you know? So for example, if there's a care provider that's going to give an episiotomy without consent, and I see that that care provider has scissors out, I might say to my client, your doctor has scissors out right now, and this is why he has scissors out. Do you want to say anything? Do you want something different to happen? Do you need time to talk about this more? So we're kind of, again, we're giving the power to them to be able to make that choice and make it in an informed way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so upsetting. Right. I hear that you're not necessarily advocating and directly in, you know, intervening on their behalf, but wow. I mean, when you're in a birthing state, this is an altered kind of mental state. I mean, you're present, but you're doing work and not necessarily able to focus on all of these other details that are happening around you. And I just have a doula like 
kind of keeping an eye out, you know, making sure to support the client and their desires is super powerful. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it is hard because when you're in labor, you often don't have words. You don't have the mental capacity to have a conversation about what should I do in this moment. So there are certainly times where I repeat what a client is saying. Like if she's saying, no, I don't want that. I'm going to repeat that out loud so that they're hearing that, you know, I'm bearing witness to that and I'm saying what she's saying as well. Oh, Courtney, were you going to say something no, else? I think that that's really good. And I think just something to add would be our role as a doula, as much as we can be in tune to the client and their needs. I know for me, I find it really important that we have our prenatal visits so I can gain a better understanding of the clients and what they need and, you know, reviewing their birth plan and coming up with different plan A, B, and C Mm -hmm. to really get an understanding of what their hopes are, but then talking through the different options. So we're aware of that. So I think that's something that's important. Yeah. So absolutely. So that is certainly that if or when a trauma or something traumatizing does happen, you have that base knowledge of them and their needs, and then you can additionally support them afterwards. That support trauma recovery. So I do want to preface this with I'm not an expert on polyvagal theory. I'm just a nerd and enjoy reading about it. And it blows my mind the more information that I gather. So I just want to throw that out there. I'm not an expert whatsoever. But it is a newer theory. Dr. Porges is who created it in the 90s, I believe. And it's referring to the vagus nerve. So the theories based completely on the vagus nerve, which is the longest nerve that runs through our body, literally from brain to gut. Some people refer to it as like the mind-body connector. Then it has all, it's connected to like every vital organ and it's sending messages back to our brain and is responsible for like all the things. And so the biggest part of his theory that geeks me out around birth work is how he kind of reworked our understanding of how the nervous system responds to threats. So I know previously, just my own training around trauma, we always talked about fight or flight. And even later on, we added on freeze, but there was a time when freeze didn't even exist as a response. It was just fight or flight is what happened. Mm But he talks about how our nervous system kind of has like this hierarchy of defense mechanisms and they work in a certain order. And so the very first thing, if we sense a threat that we do is what he refers to as social engagement. And so we quite literally are like looking around for help and support. We sense danger and we're going to seek connection. And so that's the defense mechanism that when I read about it, all I think about is the role of doula, (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially in that birthing space. You know, Courtney had said that too, like doulas are really in tune with their clients. We're offering continuous support. So unlike your nurse or your doctor, they have, you know, on-call shifts. They have a whole caseload of clients that they're tending to. So they're not with you on a continuous basis. So there's things that can be missed. A doula is is continuously there for you. They're strictly there just for you, nobody else. And so we have a lot of understanding and we're watching our clients. We notice their facial expressions. We notice how their body's tensing up. 
We notice their movements. And so all of that, if you read more about polyvagal theory, that's what's happening when that social engagement system is engaged. Mm -hmm. Literally, like your facial expression is changing. Your vocalizations are changing. Your hearing changes. Also that you can try to seek safety. And if you don't receive that, then you're going to move on into the other systems of defense, which are that fight or flight, and then finally freeze, which is basically you give up. So Courtney always tells me that I get super nerdy about this and (laughs) I always need to shorten it. So I'm trying to keep it condensed. But doulas are often referred to at, like we call ourselves a first line of defense. Mm -hmm. Like that's a phrase that we use to describe that role. Mm -hmm. And that's literally what the social engagement system is. It's a first line of defense. It's the first Mm -hmm. thing that our bodies automatically do to help us achieve safety. And so we as doulas can be working with clients if we notice that their vocalization is getting really high pitched, that their body's getting really tense, their shoulders are high, like things that doulas do where they're like, let's stay low and loose, you know? So we help them to lower that vocalization, to relax their facial expression, to relax their shoulders, to move in a different way that is going to keep that oxytocin flowing and prevent them from entering into a fight or flight response where now cortisol has taken over and that labor progression could be stalled. Right. I mean, that's incredibly important. And I absolutely see the need to be thinking about that and have this awareness. And also I was thinking about what Courtney was talking about earlier, just about the high thinking of things in systemic racism kind of terms and the crossover between what you guys are talking about in terms of the polyvagal theory plus and also the high stress that women of color are often entering the birthing space into and having somebody in a room with you who you feel like you can turn to right away, specifically with with the higher stress rates for women of color. And then also birth is a stressful event to some extent sometimes. Wow, how regulating it would be to just have a doula. I mean, I'm all for doulas, but, you know, just in the bigger, broader context of how this is affecting their systems and their sense of safety, women in general, and then specifically women of color. I like sharing my story because I started off wanting to be a labor and delivery nurse and that got nixed. And then I became a therapist, a social worker. And then I kind of came back around. I learned about what a doula was and I like that story and just kind of how everything came full circle for me. Cause I definitely feel my social work and, you know, my background in being a therapist really changes how I do my doula work. You're right. I can't separate the two, but I know in thinking back to my training, how there were so many times where I would see things through like a therapist lens and then having to back up and say, well, in this role, I'm acting as a doula Mm -hmm. or even, you know, working with clients who are pregnant and, you know, thinking and finding myself kind of going kind of the doula route and saying, no, I have to remember like, this is my role and this is what I'm here for. So I think it's really interesting. The one thing I love about birth work and having conversations with other birth workers is birth workers are bringing in different levels of expertise. So meeting some birth workers who are nannies, meeting birth workers who have come from the corporate world, And, you know, them being able to bring that extra expertise into the field and having conversations about that, I think is really important. I really love that Alexis and I, we met years and years ago before either one of us were 
even I wasn't even remotely, I didn't even know what a doula was. But I love that, you know, our journeys continued to, we started off as coworkers and became friends and now working together to spread the message of having a trauma-focused lens when working with expecting families that, you know, that's our expertise and that's what we bring and we have our training. We get the opportunity to travel around the United States and work with people and share about our passion and then also being able to meet with other people. We've met with some people that do, and Alexis, you may want to talk a little bit about trauma-focused or trauma-focused yoga therapy and, you know, what that can do for someone who is a survivor of trauma and also pregnant. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I was just going to say that I think that's why we're really passionate about having these conversations is because all the things that we really are talking about they aren't necessarily a part of every doula's training. They're trained in, you know, providing all of the support that we talked about, that emotional, physical, informational, their training is very heavy in all of that. But as far as doing that work through trauma-informed lens, that's not really a part of their training. And so we want doulas, other medical professionals, lactation consultants, childbirth educators, whoever's in contact with expectant families to be able to shift the way that they're doing their work so that it is 
trauma-informed. And I think you might have said that, Dr. Kat, at some point, that everyone should be treated that way. Like, that's something that we say a lot in our trainings is, like, we're giving you this information about doing our work through a trauma-informed lens, but, you know, everyone deserves this level of care in its most basic form. It's just having empathy and compassion. But since our culture doesn't work that way, we have to use these terms of, like, we have to do this in a trauma-informed way. Right. So as you are doing your work, and I don't know if you can give specific examples, but like if you've worked with a mom or birthing person who has experienced a trauma during the birth or shortly after, what are you doing with them to help them cope and get through? So something that is important for me, you know, as a doula is being able to it kind of goes back to what Alexis said as far as asking the question. So I have a question on my intake asking about past trauma. And I feel that I can tell a lot based on how the question is answered. So I've gotten everything from yes and no to this isn't an issue at this time, you know, not applicable NA. So thinking and being able to, you know, think through if someone says, well, this isn't an issue at this time, what does that mean? Have they done work around, you know, what assumptions can you make? And then have they done work around that trauma? And if they're not able to acknowledge that there was trauma, then, you know, if they were triggered in their birth space, sometimes that can be a little bit more difficult if they can't acknowledge or if they haven't done work around it. So for me, it's, you know, asking that question and feeling comfortable having those difficult conversations. And, you know, if I am working with someone who can and they want to, communicate and share a little bit about their trauma, possibly identifying what those triggers are so we can seek to avoid re-traumatization. But something that is really important for me is really gaining an understanding of how they are able to be grounded. So even without knowledge of history or triggers, something I really focus in on is grounding. So having all my clients identify that safe space that they can go to. So usually I say, is there a favorite vacation? Is there a place that, you know, every time you think of it, it gives you, you know, warm feelings and it makes you smile and identifying that place. So when things do get tough, whether they're triggered or not, because we know childbirth is difficult, can they go to that space and feel safe and feel grounded? Another grounding technique that I use a lot in the moment is five, four, three, two, one. So, you know, if a client is actually having a trauma reaction in the birth, I'm going to get down at their level and I'm going to let them know I'm here. What are five things that you can see right now in this space? Can you see me? Do you see my face? Do you see me talking to you? Do you see your partner? He's holding your hand. Can you see the monitor right there? Then what are the things that you hear? Do you hear my voice? Do you hear the beep on the monitor? What can you feel? Can you feel your legs on the bed? Do you feel the sheet over you? So kind of walking them through that in that moment to help them feel more grounded and safe again before we can move into anything else in that space. Mm-hmm. Right. So I see more clearly what you're saying is that not every doula is getting training in being able to see things in a trauma-informed way. So they may or may not be using techniques like this that keep or support people to become grounded if they are feeling the trauma. Yeah. So that's something that we bring in our training as we talk about 
you know, what do these trauma reactions look like? What might the client be doing, saying? How might they be acting? And when you're recognizing that, what do we need to do to ground them? So actually giving them some of those tangible tools and techniques that they can add to their toolbox and bring into the birthing space. Because I don't know that that is a part of their training. And for some doulas, they might get overwhelmed if a trauma reaction is happening. And even for other medical providers, I often hear from like doctors or nurses, they might label that person as like the difficult client or the non-compliant client. Ah, um, I hate when, that phrase. Yeah, <laughs> when what actually is happening is they've clearly been triggered. Yeah. And they need a simple grounding technique right now and for us to come together and help them feel safe again. (laughs) Right. And that's where I think, you know, your work and doula work in general is just really brings a softness into what can be like a fairly cold environment, especially with like you guys were saying before the busyness of the room and whatnot is that regardless of how busy that environment is, there's still a human being having a human experience and they need that gentleness that a doula can bring and that kind of knowing look or the safe touch or whatever it is. I'm curious too, just again, from your experience, what have people told you about this experience with you either as doulas or after your training and on how this has helped them, specifically birthing people, mothers or partners? Yeah. I don't know that I specifically marketed myself as far as for clients that I focus on trauma, but somehow they find me. So (laughs) I would say that the majority of my doula clients are asking me to be their doula because they're recognizing that they either have a trauma history or maybe they had a previous traumatic birth and they have a lot of fears wrapped up in that entering the birth space. Mm -hmm. So I definitely have heard from clients that first and foremost, just having someone to be able to talk openly about that experience is huge for them. Because I, again, I don't think that that's even a conversation that is offered from like their doctor or their midwife. Mm -hmm. And so I'm able to offer that space. And I hear that a lot from my clients. What about you, Courtney? Yeah, I think similarly that when clients seek me out that I don't believe that they are looking for someone who specifically has a trauma background, but I think once they learn about my background, then we often dive into deeper conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And how about afterwards, you know, after the birth or, you know, after you're done with postpartum visits, any kind of feedback that you're getting from people about, you know, maybe not specifically the trauma-informed perspective, but how that might have helped someone? Yeah. I mean, I definitely have heard from clients that even if their birth doesn't go the way that they hoped, just having that safe person in the room with them that understands their unique needs really shifted their experience for them. And so even if things veered off course and, you know, they had an intervention maybe that they didn't want to have, they still had a positive birth experience because what I'm recognizing the more that I hear from clients around that is that, you know, it's less about, you know, how or when or what is happening in the birth, you know, that certainly impacts the outcome and your experience, but it's more about how you're treated and how you're made to feel in that space. 
And so I hear that a lot from clients is that you made me feel really safe. And in the end, no matter what happened, they're still able to report a positive experience because that safety was provided. I agree with that. Similar for me that someone saying that they felt safe and like Alexa said, no matter what happened, Mm -hmm. but also the piece of them feeling empowered, you know, with the information and with their options and you know, when we're talking in our prenatals and they say like, I didn't even know that was an option. Mm. I'm like, yes, there's tons of options, you know, and that's something that I feel like we also bring to that space is that informational piece, that educational piece, which is also helpful. Absolutely. All right. Is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners? Yeah. So we'd love to talk to and speak to if there's anyone who is considering hiring a doula, if it's something that, you know, is on your horizon, that there are tons of benefits to having someone, a support person in your space. So according to Evidence-Based Birth, which is a website that has tons of great information that some of the benefits that mothers and partners have seen by hiring a doula, there's a 28% decrease in the risk of cesarean section. There's a 31% decrease in the use of Pitocin, which is a drug that's used to induce labor. There's a 12% increase in the likelihood of a spontaneous vaginal birth and a 9% decrease in the use of any medications used for pain relief. So, you know, for those that are numbers focused and, you know, want to know some stats, that that's, I mean, we've talked a lot about what we do and those are just some of the numbers that we are there to support. We're there to create space and hold that space for those who are pregnant and giving birth. And we really just want to have this be an enjoyable time that when birthing people look back on their pregnancy and their labor and delivery, that they felt empowered, they felt loved and supported. Right. I mean, if that's not a commercial, forget a doula. I don't know what is. That is. Yeah. I mean, you're doing so much and a lot of it is, you know, just like you said, being there, giving that support, asking some good questions, but gosh, that kind of lifeline, that support, that first line of defense sort of thing, just it reduces the likelihood of so many things on such a big scale. I mean, it's just go get a doula. <laughs> Everybody. Yes. That's awesome. I thank you so much, both of you, for bringing on your experience and your expertise and being willing to share what you do and how you support moms and families. Thanks for having us. Thank you again, Courtney and Alexis, for being on with us today and shedding a light on these really important topics and all of the ways that people can be supported by a doula, specifically related to birth trauma. I just think it's so necessary for us to be looking at how we can utilize support and support specifically like a doula to ease in the transition to parenthood, regardless of what your birth is like. It's helpful across the board. And if you're a new listener, please subscribe to this podcast. You can find us over at momandmind.com to find links to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or any of the multiple places you can listen to the Mom and Mind podcast. Mom and Mind is also part of the Parents on Demand Network, where you can find loads of early parenting podcasts. Thanks for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com.
Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.